Hello, everybody, and welcome back to What the Ruck, the Edge of the Crowd's dedicated Aussie Rules podcast, where we discuss and dissect the latest in the Aussie Rules world. My name is Rebecca Ruthven, and I'm joined by Ellie and Danny. How are you guys going? How was the grand final, Danny? Sorry, I just gotta stretch a bit. Sorry, just yeah. Oh, what's this scarf doing here? Oh, it's charisma. I'm I'm still vibing, honestly. I'm still thriving off this grand final win that my beloved Crom scored on Saturday. I was there. I was like row F, so however many letters in the alphabet F is, I was that many rows from the front on the wing, and it was just amazing. The atmosphere was incredible, um, and it was a close and intense match. Um, and it really could have swung either way at any point. Um, Melbourne did have momentum uh, through a fair chunk of the game, um, but the Crows came out on top. They were just a little bit more efficient and um, able to get inside 50 a bit more. So, um, yeah, thrilling stuff. Stoked that the Crows got the win. Stoked that Melbourne were able to be in their inaugural grand final. But um, the big winner is women's footy, I reckon. Ellie, how did you think, uh, what did you think of the grand final? Yeah, um, once I got to turn it on and I realised that the game wasn't over, like I thought um, in the first quarter when um, obviously the grand final sprint was done prior to the match, um, but I'm so used to it being at half time that I thought I'd miss a half of football. So I started freaking out. But um, no, um, I was in the – well, I did miss the first half, unfortunately, because of local netball. Um but I was there to be able to see the Crom girls take it out. So I missed out the Crom beanie again. Um, didn't have it. I had it with me last week, but unfortunately my dog tried to steal it and eat the pom-pom. So I thought I'm not putting that on my head. So, um, yeah, it's back this week. Yes, it looks good on you. Maybe you should have those colours permanently. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> Beck, what yeah. did you think of the final? I thought it was real. Like, I thought it was a great game. Obviously, you said women's footy um, is the winner here, and although it was low scoring, it was still a very, very quality game. Um, lots of players had brilliant performances across both sides, so it was good to see. Um, yeah, I, I was very lucky. I managed to catch all of the game amid of the chaos that was my weekend. I was getting ready to rush off to the men's footy happening that night. And there was also F1 qualifying that I was trying to follow, but obviously AFLW took precedence and yeah, I'm glad I got to catch it. (laughs) Just Um, a shame I couldn't find any watch parties. Oh, that was literally what I was just about to ask because that's what all the listeners want. They wanted to know which pub you ended up at. (laughs) Where did you end up watching it? In my hotel room. Oh, no. <laughs> the worst part is I didn't even have a stubby with me or anything to have a few spicy cordials. Um, <laughs> That's so rough. But I tell you what, sitting there watching the footy and straightening my hair is a dangerous task because the amount of times I like had the iron in my hand, I was like, yes, as it was still hot. I'm genuinely like really proud of myself that I did not burn my hand or my head or anything like that oh my goodness that's ridiculous (laughs) that's just another layer of stress to watching your grand final anyways um 
So although there was one match this weekend, albeit a very important one, um, we're still going to do our clangers and hangers. We've each managed to think of a clanger and a hanger each this week, which is huge props to us because we have struggled in the past few weeks. Um, but yeah, so claggers and hangers, our favourite segment. Um, we tell you what we liked and we didn't like about the round or the match or the week of footy, um, the highlights and the lowlights. Everyone loves a hanger. No one likes a clanger. So Ellie, let's start with you. So um, let's get the bad news out of the way first. Um, obviously, post-match of the AFLW Grand Final, everyone was vibing. Um, I believe it was before they announced the best on ground, um, the MC got up on stage and said, um, everyone give a round of applause to the umpires and um, almost everyone in the crowd just booed them which is obviously really awful. And you could see the MC was taken aback by it. And it looked like they wanted to say something, but obviously they didn't end up doing so. Um, but the same, thi but same thing happened when they presented the um, medal to one of the umpires. Um, the crowd like was full of booze. And obviously I wasn't at the ground, but um, you could, it was so obvious to hear through like the TV. So I couldn't imagine what it was like at the ground. But yeah, it was just awful. And um, yeah, umpires are humans as well. Um, they don't always get things right, but they still do deserve the respect uh, that they sh should be given, like any human should be given. And they shouldn't be booed on, um, especially, I guess, on national TV and um, at the pinnacle of women's footy. Yeah, it, it was as loud at the ground as it was on TV. And it was really disappointing um, because... Uh, Chelsea Randall did make a point of it in her speech that without um, without the umpires, we don't have a game. So, yeah, especially when you're doing something like that's a highlight of your career, you know, umpiring the grand final and then to have that sort of response like, yeah, a lot of the calls were a bit dodgy at times, but they also made a lot of really good calls. So I'm not a fan of booing in any sort of situation, really. So, yeah, that was disappointing for me. I think AFL is also one of the hardest, or Aussie rules is one of the hardest games to officiate just because it's so fast moving and there's so much stuff happening from a bunch of different angles. But also as well, like the rules can be very difficult to interpret at times. So, I mean, yeah, like they're umpires are human. It's not by no means an easy feat because they've got to run just as much as the players, if not even more than some of the players. Like they've got to be able to see 20 different things happening at once. So I think anyone who steps up and is an AFL or AFLW or even a local footy umpire, hats off to you because it's such a difficult task. Mm -hmm. On to bigger and brighter things. Um, Obviously, I mentioned on the AFLW episode of the pod last week that um, the NAB girls grand final between the Dandenong Stingrays and Western Jets was taking place on Friday night down um, in Werribee. Um, what a game it was. Um, it was probably a thrilling final minute. I don't think anyone at the ground was in their seats. I think they were all up, up and about. Um, a free kick was given to the Western Jets about 45 metres out from goal. The ball was knocked off the pack um, and 
in comes Crystal Russell, comes with, um, picks up the footy, kicks a goal with 20 seconds left on the clock. The crowd goes nuts. The Western Jets have won. I believe it was their first um, first ever premiership in the um, both in NAB Boys or Girls League. So massive congratulations to the Western Jets. Um, they've obviously produced some absolute guns over the years in both programs, but never they get the chocolates, but absolute um, massive feat. Shout out to Amber Clark, despite being on the um, losing side, she... Um, she did claim best on ground honours with a game high, 28 possessions, two goals, four tackles and nine inside 50s for the match. The next highest on the ground was only four. So massive effort for her. And I'm sure we'll be seeing her in the AFLW sometime soon. Beck, let's throw to you. What was your clanger and hanger this week? Um, So I will start with my clanger. Um. There's been a lot of discussion in the media recently about concussion and head knocks and head injuries. Um, and it was a shame to see two Adelaide Crows players go off um, with head knocks during the game. Those two players, both from the Adelaide Crows, were Najwa Allen and Tia Charlton. So obviously concussions and head knocks and head injuries, they're very serious. They're career ending as we've seen with a couple of players in the men's comp. Um, I'm sure these head knocks weren't as bad as some of the ones we've seen before, but nonetheless on the biggest day of the AFLW calendar, you don't want to see head collisions like that. So yeah, bit of a dampener on the day. Um, but yeah, it's lost among the many fantastic, wonderful, brilliant things that did happen. And my hanger goes to, it's a bit of a local footy feel-good story um, for WA football now. Last year, the Midwest um, was hit by a cyclone, Cyclone Saroja, um, and one of the towns hit pretty badly was Northampton. And Northampton is a bit of a footy factory. Like it's produced quite a lot of stars in the men's game. Um, and I'm sure there will be some absolute stars in the women's game to come as well. Um, and Northampton has a connection with the East Fremantle Football Club in the Waffle and Waffle W competition. Um, anyone that played football in Northampton as a junior and has a chance of making it in the AFL goes and plays for East Frio. Um so, yeah, both the Waffle and the Waffle W will be heading there to play um, like a bit of a relief game to boost community morale um, and raise valuable funds for a community that is still recovering from such a disaster. So it kicks off with the Waffle W. This is taking place on the 30th of April. So it was announced this week, but it's still a couple of weeks away. So it kicks off with the Waffle W and then it has the men's side. And then it also has the um, um, and then it has the Great Northern Football League men and women competition going head to head. They're going up against um, the Brigades, which I believe is Geraldton's football club, and then obviously the Northampton Rams. So it's good to see men's and women's footy coming together for a very worthy cause um, and a big celebration and festival of footy um, because football obviously means a lot to that community. 
Anyway, I'm going to pass it over to Danny now. Danny, what are your clangers and hangers? Although I'm sure this whole weekend was just one big hanger for you. <laughs> it was great. Um, with the Crows winning on the Saturday and Essendon winning the men's on a Sunday, I'm a very happy girl despite my own team losing. Uh, but uh, hanger and clangor, I have taken the liberty of taking moments for from the grand final for both of these I apologize but that's what it's all about for me <laughs> um my clangor oh my gosh okay so Danielle Ponta has the ball just inside 50 um she has a set shot on goal um now a lot of players or a lot of people would back Danielle Ponta in when she's got a set shot. She's she's pretty good at it. Um, you know, her her overall efficiency isn't that great. I think she has like double the amount of points than goals that she's scored. Um, but she's pretty accurate when it comes to set shots. So um, all of the Crows players made their way back to the middle of the ground ready for the centre ball up. Um, because they just assumed she'd kick the goal. The, the kick fell short and <laughs> far out. It was just Melbourne people there ready to collect the ball and send it out of the defensive 50. Um, so, you know, it's like a hanger because they back her in and, and are confident in her goal kicking. But, man, oh, one of the rules you're taught is to always have someone on the, on the goal square line um, or on the goal line. So... Um, bit of a clanger there. Luckily, Ash Woodland was there to um, stop the ball coming out of the 50. But um, yeah, all of us in, in the section on the wing were just like, what are you doing? Where is everyone? Um, so yeah, a bit of a clanger there. Uh, but my hanger happened after the game. Obviously, winning the grand final is a hanger. But um, after the game, there was this most beautiful moment as the medals were being presented. Uh, Captain Chelsea Randall went up and uh, went to collect her medal from her Oz kicker. Um, for those who don't know, they're handed out by Oz kickers. And this little one called Charlotte um, asked Chelsea Randall, will you be my captain? <laughs> it was just the sweetest thing. Chelsea goes, uh, of course I'll be your captain. And it was just so lovely. Like watching it back, I, I, I sort of teared up a little bit. It was just the sweetest moment and really shows just how much of a role model Chelsea Randall is, um, not only for her teammates um, being captain, but also for the next generation of players. Um, and also Charlotte's mum found... Uh, Chelsea's um, post on Instagram about the moment and said thank you for giving my daughter this magical moment it is definitely one we will never forget and Chelsea's replied saying no thank you for giving me this magical moment and I just think that sums up Chelsea as a person and as a player just that she's so selfless and and really wants to grow the game and and just be a good role model so props to you Chelsea Randall um you're a very handy Randy to have on our side, so please don't leave us. <laughs> but yes, that wraps up our clangers and hangers. Beck, here, have this handball. Handball has been received. Um, so we spent uh, a couple of our clangers and hangers talking about the grand final, but let's dive into it a little bit deeper. So the action as it happened, obviously, in any betting market, uh, bet, gamble responsibly, 
there's always a option for first goal kicker. Did anyone have Jasmine Hewitt tip to kick first goal? No. Honestly, no. And even I mentioned that to her after the game when she ran around doing, you know, the lap of the oval saying g'day to everyone. Um, she was uh, signing the Guernsey of the girl next to me and she and I go, gee, I wish I put some money on you having <laughs> having the first goal. She's like, your payout would have been huge. <laughs> it was just, she's only played two games this season and she was only, you know, picked up after the draft this year. She played in round three and round 10. So, um, yeah, I don't think she would have even imagined herself playing in this game, let alone kicking the first goal of it. So, Good on her. What a claim to have as well. Like I kicked the first goal in the grand final. Like that's just such a flex to me. I don't know if it is for anyone else, but yeah, it's one that will stick in her memory because it kickstarted what was an awesome game for the Crows. So yeah. And and to be for it to be in a winning grand final and to be in the grand final that cements it as a dynasty for the Crows, like, oh, there's just so many layers to it. <laughs> Uh, Shrek says it's like an onion, so many layers. Oh, dear God. (laughs) When the ball comes into the inside, into the defensive 50, get out of my swamp! (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing in my swamp? Oh dear. Oh my god. I think we've the AFLW season is like Shrek 2. <laughs> I don't know if it is. I can't remember the storyline of Shrek 2. Anyway, I've seen I- Shrek 2 so many times, it's not funny. There's a corrupt grandmother who puts on a sparkly dress and walks the red carpet. That's all I remember. <laughs> Instead of singing, I need a hero, it's we are the champions. <laughs> oh, let's move on. Go. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, <laughs> speaking of special goals, there was another Crows player that had a very, very special goal. And this Crows player was Erin Phillips. Now, she notched up the half century. Um, and what a game to do it in as well. A grand final. She's the second player to ever do it. And potentially it could be the last goal she kicks wearing Adelaide colours, but let's we'll discuss that later. Erin Phillips, what a way, like what a player. I don't think you can say anything else. Like the um to think she was six years ago, not even playing AFLW and making the move, like giving up um, her career in the WNBA to um, come and play um, AFLW. And obviously the pay um, isn't anything like what it would have been in the WNBA. I don't think so. Um, Obviously I'm not across the figures in the WNBA, but anyway, um, she gave up that sacrifice and it was a rookie contract as well. She wasn't like in the marquee signing. So whatever she was getting, it was like bottom paid tier. Um, she comes in, wins the league best and fairest in her first year, wins best on ground in the um, grand final, um, co-captains the side along with Chelsea Randall. Um, and then 
a year later, does it all again, wins the league best and fairest, wins the AFL, wins the best on ground medal while only playing three quarters of football after unfortunately doing her ACL. And I remember the two seasons that I believe the Crows missed out on the finals. So 2018 and 2021, I believe she was, so she was not 2021, um, 2020, I believe, um, was um, the year she was injured. So obviously did her ACL in 2019 going into 2020. And then she was injured um, for parts of the 2018 season. So it just proves how much of a key cog she she is or was um, pending what she does next in that Adelaide side um, is just amazing. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what she does next, whether that be um, pulling on the teal strip in the for um, Paul Adelaide next year or staying put at the Crows or um, going back to her wife's family over in the States. Um, she's left a real legacy on the AFLW. Couldn't have said it better myself, Ellie. Okie dokie. Um, so we've mentioned Erin Phillips was injured in a grand final, which is unfortunate and something that you never want to see a player do, grand final or not. And that brings me to Casey Sheriff. Now, she had a broken wrist in the final quarter. Not great for her. Um, was such a sad way to go down in such a big occasion, especially considering it is Melbourne's inaugural grand final. And there was a bit of a right knee scare for Maddie Gay too. Luckily, she was able to get back out in the park and play um, after sitting on the bench for much of the second quarter. But yeah, it's it's scary and you never want to see those players sort of go down on big days because it just overall dampens it and just makes it a bit of a tough memory, even though like playing in a grand final win or loss is something that's just such a tremendous achievement. Yeah. And like we mentioned with um, Tia Charlton and Najwa Allen as well, um, Najwa looks great in all the premiership photos with the black eye and the staple in her eyebrow. <laughs> like, yeah, but hopefully um, there's nothing serious that comes out of that too. But yeah, you never like to see an injury, especially in a grand final. Um. But on to some statistics, because we all know we love a good statistic on this podcast. Um, This is the eighth time in 12 games Adelaide has kept their opposition scoreless in the first quarter now uh, this year. So this comes via Swampy on Twitter. We love Swampy. Gives plenty of good stats um, across men's and women's AFL. This is just a testament to Adelaide's dominance, isn't it? 100%. And it really shows that they play an attacking game like straight from the outset. Um, Like their defensive setup as well has proven to be rock solid this year. Um, Especially, I know we mentioned the stats last week about uh, the average amount of points that um, Adelaide have had scored against them this year. It's been really impressive to have such a strong defensive unit um in in that side and it really has been the I guess the sticking point for a lot of the teams that come up against the Crows the Crows are known to have such a solid uh midfield and plenty of options down forward and and the defensive unit has often been like the bit that's just slightly below like not saying that they've ever been bad but um the other areas have often been stronger and 
yeah, to have that statistic this year, I think is something for the Crows to be really proud of. Best on ground votes. Um, obviously, Anne Hatchard, the um, eventual winner with 14 votes. Ebony Marinoff in second with six votes. And, Ponta, and Danielle Ponta in third with five votes. Now, four out of the five people on the panel had um, Anne Hatchard as first, which is a true testament. She ended the game on um, 26 disposals and was in every single contest. Um, that there was, um, as well with the leading possession getters, um, following Anne Hatchard, you had Eb, Eb Marinoff on 21, Erin Phillips on 17, and for the Melbourne Demons, Shanae Goldrick on 20, Eliza McNamara on 17, and Daisy Pierce on 16, and for the tackles, Eb Marinoff on 7, Anne Hatchard on 6, and Eliza West from the Ds also on 6. After missing out on the best and fairest, obviously, because it got down to the chase and Ebony Marinoff and Anne Hatchard were taking votes off each other, it was really good to see Anne Hatchard get that medal around her neck and be rewarded for, a, you know, the season she's had because obviously she's been very strong across the season, but to really have your performance be acknowledged in a grand final on the big stage where it can really test how a player goes, um, it's a huge honour and honestly, I couldn't have thought of a more deserving player on the day. She deserved every single vote she got. For sure. So moving out of AFL W Grand Final territory, as much as I'm sure Danny would love to stay on it. <laughs> um We've got some other news stories around the state leagues now. Abby Holmes is back playing footy again. She pulled on the Hawthorne Guernsey um, the weekend before and kicked two goals. She did sit out this weekend, or last weekend rather, due to commentary. But Abby Holmes, like she's very, like she's a very solid commentator. She's commentated a couple of times before. It's good to see her I guess putting what she says into practice obviously she's had that playing background before but it's just good to see her playing football again I think for me Abby Holmes was like the she was the first women's player that like I knew obviously I grew up watching the footy show on the Thursday night and she was um I think the first female to represent um in the EJ Witten Legends game so I remember having her on the panel um on the footy show one night and just to be able to have like a woman playing footy was just awesome. I was probably about 14, 15 at the time. So yeah, I just remember watching that. And I believe she said, I think via Instagram or her Instagram stories that she was meant to play for the Tigers in VFLW in either 2020 or 2021, but through the COVID um, it never eventuated, but Great to see her back playing footy because obviously she was a key staple in the Crows' first ever AFLW premiership. And um, how good was it, um, speaking of commentary, how good was it to have her and Beck Goddard in the commentary box this weekend? Hawks royalty. They love it. <laughs> would have been amazing. <laughs> I wish I sort of had it in an earpiece while I was at the game. That would have been so good. Um, I think a lot of people forget, though, that she was actually the first woman to kick 100 goals in a season in an established um, footy league. So that happened way back in 2014. Like, that's 
okay I say way back but it's only eight years ago but um yeah she she is actually a really good footballer and I think I feel I think a lot of people who listen to her on commentary or on special um comments or boundary writing often forget that she is very knowledgeable and actually knows what she's talking about um there's so much like crap thrown at her on twitter and no she is actually quite knowledgeable um would actually like to say that she's uh from my town um she <laughs> we have a lot of people from victor harbour and surrounds that are that are involved with afl but yeah she's she's um yeah it's great to see her back out and she had like the play of the day as well um in that game that she played with um with one of her goals so props to her love to see her back out there and also special shout out to um ex-demon tegan cunningham um played again for the hawks in the vflw last weekend so um awesome to see her back out there obviously retired from aflw at the end of last year um and i believe she nominated for the draft as well but unfortunately didn't get picked up but um i know she spent the off season or the aflw off season um playing basketball um yeah i believe it was with waverly so um yeah she's still obviously a very talented basketballer but yeah great to see her back out on the footy field and who knows we might see her in the brown and gold and aflw level on to expansion news um we had a couple of announcements to drop today so we're recording this on a monday night um danny you look like you are ready to bounce out of your seat with excitement um let's Break, let's talk about the first announcement. Oh, with absolute pleasure. <laughs> so we got the very exciting news, if you're a Bombers supporter, that Maddie Presbarkus, 2020 League Best and Fairest, as well as Georgia G, who is also from Carlton, have requested a move to Essendon to be part of the inaugural Bombers AFLW side. And this is just thrilling to me. Like, can you imagine Georgia G up forward and then Maddie Prasparkas and Georgia Nansquin in the midfield together? Like, this is just blowing my mind. We have three confirmed players at Essendon. No, we have more than three confirmed players at Essendon. But just those three names alone are just so exciting. Um we know what Maddie can bring to a side. We've seen it over the last four years that she's been at Carlton, um, one of their loyal supporters and players there. Um, but she has been an Essendon girl through and through. And it's so good to um, get her to have the opportunity to play for the team that she has gone for her whole life. So that's pretty special. And having Georgia G alongside her, um, Team Velcro, apparently they're known as. I did not know that one. Um, because they stick together, <laughs> um, that Georgia's coming to Essendon is just extra special. And uh, if I can, if I can pull this right, Georgia D times Maddie Prasparkas. If we match those two names together, you almost get Georgie Prasparkas. So I'm hoping that the sister pull plus the idea of playing for who you support would get Georgie Prasparkas to Essendon. Um, interesting though, also at the start of this year, when Becky asked us for predictions at the start of the season, um, we were all asked for a headline that we'll see at the end of the year. And Ellie, what was your prediction? 
Mine was that we'd see both Prosparcus sisters um, signed to Essendon. So, so we're halfway there. Halfway we're there. Living on a prayer, baby. <laughs> um, and before we move on, um, I found a funky stat. Obviously, we're a fan of um, funky stats here. Um, shout out to Callum O'Connor on Twitter. Um, in the six years of AFLW, only four players have left a club straight straight after winning um, their best and fairest, um, which two of them um, now, including Maddie, uh, were from Carlton. So obviously the second one was Brianna Davey, who moved from Carlton to Collingwood um, a couple of years back. So, um, yeah, very um, – the Blues have – lost a few um, key players in the past sort of three years. So I'm um, very interesting to see how they bounce back, but um, obviously amazing news for all the Essendon supporters. And I'm sure um, Maddie and Georgia won't be the, won't be the only two big names that Essendon get. Um, but yeah, I've got no scoop whatsoever. I'm just saying this off the cuff, by the way. So <laughs> don't press me for it. Cause I got nothing. I tell you what, though, if if Georgie Prasparkas does end up at Essendon, she it, it wouldn't be if if Essendon won a premiership. I'm getting a bit ahead of myself here, but if they did win the premiership, they wouldn't be the first sister duo to win it because we had Hannah Button and Rochelle Martin, who are sisters, win um, for the Crows on the weekend. So, but still something pretty cool to aim for. <laughs> I mean, we were close a few years ago with the Hosking sisters, but unfortunately they didn't cross the line. That's true. That's true. Um, Beck, what else is happening in expansion team news? Um, so let's move across to Sydney. Um, Rebecca Privatelli and Ali Moffat are said to move to the Sydney Swans. Um, and and I think they've gained two very, very solid players. Um, obviously, Ali Moffat was only drafted in 2021, so she's still quite young. But in saying that, what better way to, I guess, sort of kickstart a new team with a very young, talented ruck? Um, she was the best ruck in that sort of draft pool. So I think they've got a very strong player coming up over to Sydney. And from what she's done in the AFLW um, in the few games she's played, she's looked really, really good. So um, they've made a really good call with Ali Moffat. Um, but then Rebecca Privatelli, she's been such a solid forward for the Giants as well. I need to find another word other than solid, but... Nonetheless, she, <laughs> but nonetheless, she is a talent and she just has that ability to hit the scoreboard in those really crucial times. And I just feel she's a very, very solid team player. So they're both very, um, they're awesome acquisitions for the Sydney Swans. Um, I'm going to be very keen to see how they go in the red and the white. So interesting little um, thing here. I don't think it's confirmed exactly how expansion signings will work in the sense that I believe the AFLW are putting rules around um, expansion clubs signing young players. So I think um, Ali Morfitt, if she was to move across to Sydney, um, they'll need to facilitate a trade with the Giants. Um, and same goes if Georgie Prasparkas ends up going to Essendon. Um, Essendon will need to facilitate the trade with Geelong. So obviously the um, AFL 
the AFLW are trying to um, keep those young players um, so clubs can build a solid base. But um, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting expansion period. Wow, I didn't know that rule. I only read it like half an hour ago. All right. And there's one last piece of expansion news. And honestly, I feel a bit cruel handballing this one to you, Ellie, but tell us about it, please. So I um, unfortunately don't have any tissues near me to read this out. Um, I should have come prepared. But um, former number one draft pick Isabel Huntington has requested a move to the GWS Giants. Um Obviously, she's been a solid um, player for the Bulldogs um, over her time there, but unfortunately um, has suffered two ACL injuries while at the club, including in her debut season back in 2018. But um, she's made the call to move to the Giants um, due to, I believe, university and um, off-field reasons, um, taking her... um, interstate into um sydney but honestly um looking at her socials over the past um sort of few years she has spent quite a lot of time um with the giants girls so i'm not surprised that this news has come obviously devastated but yeah not surprised and that just about wraps up um the expansion news so so far, we're only talking about the ones that are actually confirmed and that do come from a solid and reliable source. That doesn't mean, however, that we can't talk about players we would like to see or we think will be in different colours um, next season. So instead of doing our quick fire tips this week, because obviously there's no AFLW games to tip, we're going to name one player we think will move to an expansion club which club they will move to and give a small sentence as to why. So not a very long justification, obviously, because quick fire is no justification. But yeah. So Danny, kick us off. Um oh. just before we, just before we start, um, we're not saying Aaron Phillips to Port Adelaide because that is basic and has been done to death. Danny, continue. Yes. Uh, we have heard the Aaron Phillips rumour going around. So, yes, I will not choose that because it's heartbreaking. But I'm just going to break my heart even further and say that one of Aaron Phillips's offsiders will join her at Port Adelaide and uh, we'll put in Anne Hatchard making the jump up to the port um, and, join, and wearing that teal strip. Um, I just think that she is a very solid player to have as a marquee. Um, She's still quite young and you can build a real future around her, even though that she she has had a lot of experience, obviously, as well. Um, But, yeah, she can lead, but she's also got a long future ahead of her. I think it's going to be very interesting to split her and um, Ebony Marinoff up. I think they've been um, probably one of the best one-two punches in the midfield, um, across um, AFLW history. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens um, when you split them up. Yeah, imagine the one-on-one against each other. Oh, that would be awesome. (laughs) In the first showdown, very interesting. The first showdown will have almost like 2019 grand final crowd you watch. There's my headline for next season. (laughs) Write it down. (laughs) Ellie what's your or who's your one player that'll make their move 
So I have a couple in mind, but obviously we're sticking to the one. So I've been thinking this one for quite a while, um, almost ever since she was drafted. Um, Jess Doyle from the GWS Giants obviously took the, was a shining light on what was a, um, not a great season for the Giants, but um, she was the captain of the Sydney Swans Academy um, before being drafted to the Giants. And in a press conference, she did alongside Alicia Evo and she was asked um, if she had any sort of mentors at the club, um, the Giants do a buddy system. And would you like to take a guess who she was um, paired up with? That was Rebecca Privatelli. Oh, now off to the swans. Yeah, going to be interesting. Um, Yeah, so I'm picking Jess Doyle to make her way across to the swans. And also fun fact, she's she's actually born in New South Wales, but is a North Melbourne supporter. So very interesting there. Wow. Beck, what about you? I feel like mine's a little bit more of, I guess, not really a stretch, but there hasn't really been a lot of talk about it. Um, But I'm going to go Rosie Dillon to Hawthorne. Now, she has links to, she was a very solid player for their VFLW side um, and she's won the best and fairest for it. So she's got that link to the Hawks um, in terms of her state league footy. But in addition to that, she is a very very staunch midfielder I feel and I think she is a great because she's already been part of an inaugural team in St Kilda so having that experience of what it's like to be part of a new team um, would go a long way to I guess helping her and helping her teammates adjust and find out what those expectations are like as being part of a new team Um, yeah so I could see, I could easily see that being a potential move. Mm, that's an interesting call that um, we've all chosen midfielders too. True. Very true. Anyways, so that wraps up that discussion and we will be keeping an eye out for more expansion trade and signing stories and the coming week so we can discuss and dissect them on the podcast for you guys um but that wraps up this week's episode which i think has been a bit of a bumper episode because we've covered a very large number of topics hey definitely um so do we have any final comments one final comment from me um <laughs> as sunny brings the scarf up um Shout out to, um, obviously, my girls at the Point Cook Central's Football Club. We had round one on the weekend and won by 143 points. The score was um, 143 to zip. So massive congratulations, massive effort. Um, Yeah, there were a few um, bags involved from a few of the girls. Um, So, yeah, shout out to the Point Cook Central's and looking forward to our next clash on Anzac Day. Huge. Um, congrats to my girls for a good game even though we lost Um, it was the only loss that any of my teams suffered on the weekend Um, (laughs) but yeah no go Crows and I also just want to say thanks Ellie and Beck for being such good podcast mates through this AFLW season it's been a pleasure talking to you guys about it 
Likewise to you too, Danny. Thank you for all your funny moments, your highlights and your expertise. Um, but I'm also going to use this as a quick opportunity to give a shout out to my beloved Hammersley Kareen Hawks. Um, round one was on Saturday. Unfortunately, I wasn't there to see it because I was on the other side of the country. Um, but it turns out our round one match and the events that followed it has become a bit of a super spreader event um, in terms of COVID-19. So thank goodness we have a bye so that the girls can get fit and ready and sit through their ISO but yeah um yeah and also huge props to them they lost by four points and they went up two divisions and played against last year's semi-finalists so if that's not a testament to how hard they've been working in the off season then I don't know what is but yeah shout out to my Hawks that's an incredible effort good stuff we we went down by 29 points unfortunately but we only had the 18 players and the other team had 24 um, and it was like 30 degrees. So big, tough slog, but I think we can all be proud of our own teams. Anyways, thank you guys for listening in. Um, we hope you enjoyed the podcast and be sure to tune in next time. Um, this has been What The Ruck. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at What The Ruck Pod as part of the Edge of the Crowd network. You can also find us at Edge of the Crowd on Instagram and Twitter too. And of course, our website, www.edgeofthecrowd.com. Thank you all for tuning in and we will catch you later.